1: Welcome to a new edition on WFIU. We are continuing to do our show remotely because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we are talking about the ongoing situation with COVID-19 in schools. Bob Salzberg is out today, Joe Ren is the leading co-host. We are not taking calls for today's program, but you can email your questions to Indiana Public Or you can always tweet us, find us on Twitter at edition. Our guests today are Laura Hammond, she's the Brown County School Grant. We also have Jay Paul Parker with the Metropolitan School District
2: of Markville. Paul Farmer is a teacher at Bloomington High School North and the MCEA president. And Andrea Mobley is the Monroe County, Community school, Monroe County Community School Corporation Assistant Superintendent. Thank you all for being here with us today. We have a lot to get to today. And we'll also be, of course, taking people's questions throughout the show. I want to start by just asking a question, and maybe we'll start with Andrea Mobley. But uh, what are just the biggest challenges running a school right now?
3: Hi, this is Andrea Mobley. And uh, right now, I would say the biggest challenge is trying to um, get uh, ready for all of our students to be in person. Uh, We're starting that next week, and we we are ready to go for that. Our administrators and our teachers have been preparing for this day uh, for several months. They've been preparing to have all students in-person learning, and we're ready to do that, and we're excited to do that next week.
2: That's something certainly we'll be diving into a bit more during the program here. Uh, I do want to, Laura Hammock, can you just talk a little bit about Brown County Schools and the biggest challenges for you right now?
4: You bet. Uh, Thanks so much for for having Brown County represented in this conversation today. Our situation will be different than some of the other districts that are are, are on the show today, just for the fact that we are a small rural school community. And we have actually been fortunate enough to be back in school since uh, August the 5th, which was our first school day. And we've been in session all day, every day since then. So our experience is one that Quite frankly, this is our fall break, and we we just couldn't wait for fall break. <laughs> it has been it has been a couple of of months that I've been mostly um, our our sincere concerns are, are for our our teachers and staff and for our students, right? Because um, teaching and learning in this environment is unique uh, from any other. Learning situation that we have experienced. So, as far as challenges currently for our school district, it's making sure that we can continue to deliver in person instruction while simultaneously offering the remote solution for families that are interested in that option. We have about 14, 15% of our families that have elected that remote option. So, um, balancing both the 100% in person and and those remote learners has proven to be be challenging, but, but not overwhelming. So we just feel very blessed that we are able to be in school and um, uh, we'll be back at it uh, Monday after this weekend.
2: Okay. And uh, Dr. Arthur, can you talk about Martinsville?
5: Yes, uh, very much. uh, I would echo much of what uh, Dr. Hammock just mentioned. Um, We are probably a school district that's somewhere between the size of Brown County and MCCSC in terms of um, comparison and we started back on august 12th with a four-day schedule wednesdays being a, uh, a day in which we deep clean and we, pro- we uh, provide a great deal of professional development to our teachers and staff to ensure that we're moving forward in a safe and in good way um, we too have been able to be in person since august 12th um, with relatively few issues um, it has been a lot of work on a lot of of uh, a lot of different community partners, as well as our, our folks who work for our school district um, to ensure that we are all working together and that we're doing it as a community um, to keep uh, spread down and to uh, make sure that we can have the events and programs and, and, uh, and to have school um, in the way that makes the most sense for us right now. So in terms of uh, largest challenges, it truly is managing the day-to-day um, contact tracing and ensuring that we are as quickly as possible asking those students to quarantine who may have come in contact with somebody who's positive. Um, I am super excited to say it, was, it wasn't until about uh, two days ago that we as a school district had not had any positive cases within the district. Um, we have had a, a number of contact tracing situations where we've had to ask students to quarantine or staff to quarantine, but we have been very fortunate that um, in terms of within the school district, positive cases have not been a problem for us.
2: Paul Farmer, you're a teacher at Bloomington High School North. So what has it been like being in the school building and in a classroom?
6: Well, first of all, thanks for uh, giving us the opportunity here today to talk to everybody about it. Um, With me, um, I'm the association president. um, And at this point in time, uh, with a grant and so on, I'm actually not in the classroom. I'm full-time release. um, But I do talk to many, 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 many teachers who are in the classroom. So I will relay that uh, through their lens. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, as Dr. Mobley said earlier, uh, Bloomington were a little bit different. Uh, we started the beginning of the year where everyone was online. Then we went to a hybrid schedule um, in what we call yellow. Uh, when that started on September 8th, uh, our elementary was full time, five days a week, every student uh, of course we have the online option that most most schools do have as well um and so starting here for us on monday um the elementary still continues as uh 5 days a week and now our our secondary schools middle school and high school they're going to be going online or excuse me uh going face to face full time 5 days a week the the biggest thing i think um that the teachers are seeing um Is number one, I mean, we are worried about um, social distancing, um, especially at our our comprehensive high schools, you know, worried about as many of those students who are coming back. We've got about 30% who are online. So um, that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Um, We have had lots of conversations with our administration. Uh, We've taken care of hotspots. So hopefully we will have very few of those in, in each of the buildings as far as like social distance concerns probably the, the most important thing that I think that has impacted elementary through high school is curriculum. Um, when you do a hybrid schedule and have people online, we have some teachers that are teaching three things at one time. Um, they have face-to-face students, they have online students, and they have um, what we call hybrid students where they're there Monday and Wednesday and, and not there Thursday and Friday. So um, they're literally juggling uh, three curricular events at one time. And um, it's very difficult to do. Um, So I think there are quite a few teachers who are looking forward to uh, being full time um, in regards to we can get rid of that hybrid section. Um, And so then they're juggling two instead of three. So that'll be a little bit easier from that. But obviously, um, you know, COVID concern is always a, a situation that they're concerned about.
2: we got a question earlier about social distancing and maybe you can talk about this paul and dr mobley as well which is how is how are the schools going to ensure social distancing when we're going to all all the kids being back in session on monday
6: um i'll I'll go ahead and say from um, our elementary uh they have been social distancing um since september 8th when they've been back full time so there won't be any changes with those. Um, uh, if we do have scenarios where um, a classroom gets, I'll use the term a little overcrowded if you wish, uh, the, the teachers work with their, their administrators um, in their buildings, and there may be situations where a classroom has to move to a little bigger room. So there's some classroom switching if they need to. Um, in our middle schools and high schools, they each have their plan. Um, you know, are they going to move a classroom or is just some students going to move from this class to a different class while they're working? Uh, there are plans at each place and, um, you know, this, this, it'll be nice that it's going to be a short week next week for us. Cause our fall break is Thursday and Friday of next week. We can see where there might be problems and then be able to, um, work on those problems as we move forward and solve them for the following.
2: And Dr. Mobley, you know, I- how are you talking about this at a, at a district level?
3: Sure, and I'd like to I'd like to add to that um, that when in cases where we have had to do contact tracing, um, it's it's been nice to see that we in most cases we're n- we're not finding close contacts in school because our teachers and our students are doing such a nice job of maintaining that six foot of distance. And you know we we initially thought it might be a little bit more difficult, but we've been pleasantly surprised by how well the students and teachers are, are able to do that and that's because they put so much time into planning and organizing throughout the whole summer and um, separating desks and coming up with plans for how they would do things in the hallways and how they would do lunch and meals so they're able to do the six foot of social distancing in uh, most all cases
7: Hi, this is Joe chiming in here in the newsroom. I just wanted to get a little bit more info from anyone who'd like to chime in just on on testing with staff and students. Is that something, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to create a situation where there's a, a spreader type event, but how do you know that people are safe to begin with?
3: So what we've we've advised um, all of our employees to do is to do what the medical professionals have been doing for years and to assume that all those around us are positive and to be taking those precautions of wearing a mask, washing hands frequently and, and doing the social distancing. And then we do have access to testing here in Monroe County and we're fortunate for that. And I I know there's going to be a new uh, testing site opening up soon downtown. So we're fortunate that people have access to tests when they need to. And the testing turnaround time is is pretty quick right now. And so that helps us to contact trace and to to isolate and quarantine in a timely manner.
6: And and I also think too, from a teacher standpoint, administrator standpoint, and a student standpoint, and even the parents want to throw them in there, um, that, that we're all talking a lot about symptoms. And if you are having symptoms, um, that, that you are quarantining, um, that you call your doctor, you call your school, you let them know, um, get to the medical professionals, uh, let the medical professionals make the decision. Uh, we do have a process in MCSC, um, with, um, our, uh, uh, nurses that that Kim Stevens that runs our contact tracing scenarios um, so i we're very open you're we're open about it, and I think that's important. The communication piece I think is crucial for uh, people feeling safe as they come to schools
7: and for those who you don't want, of course to come into school and maybe Laura at Brown county, you can chime in, uh, what about people? To back up these other people do you have enough substitute teachers or staff people to come in for those who can't come in.
4: So I think you bring up a a very important point about our response plans and and that is that this response and being able to be in school all day every day means. That you, as a as a school leader and as as a as a district deployment, you just need a whole lot more resources than what you would normally have during a traditional school year. As was mentioned, contact tracing is a, a is it's massive, and uh, one student one case can um, cause an entire uh, day, and then even days worth of work to ensure that all of the protocols are being deployed. And so, to that point, it is just critically important, I think, that that our communities understand that that resource allocation is a, a very important uh, part of this this conversation. School districts were um, given resources at the beginning of the year through our cares grant funding. And quite honestly, without those resources, a small school district like Brown County would not be able to open. So we are getting quite concerned because additional staffing for our health our, our our health service program, we have had to add to that staff. We are having concerns about our substitute teaching pool. We just don't have as many substitute teachers as we have had in the past. Um, we are really blessed with some wonderful um, educators who are retired that serve as substitute teachers for us. And they are in that population that is considered at risk. And so they are not able to work right now. And, and that has been a significant concern. And then really that third piece, which is the financial, resource component we are getting to the point where uh, all of those wonderful supplies that we were able to get through cares funding those dollars are are being depleted quite quickly Um, hand sanitizer is extremely expensive and when you're deploying it everywhere um, it it is incredible how much those those dollars can add up so i imagine for a a small school district as well as at martinsville and in monroe county right these are our massive implications for all of our districts
7: yeah jay i'd love to hear your side there in martinsville too yes so we um,
5: in terms of substitutes and some of those issues we're we're of course um, feeling those same pain aches and pains and um, to be proactive on the front end of all this as we were planning back in may june as to how we were going to come back as quickly as possible and do it safely um, we very quickly came to the conclusion that we had to look at our entire workforce and and be open and give our administrators our building principals permission to use people in ways that are not the most common ways in which they would normally use them. So, for example, you may be asking somebody who's typically reporting for uh, food service work who may be working three, four hours a day to ask them, would you be willing to work a seven hour day and fill in some spots where we need assistance? Um, Because we did know or do know that as staff get sick, teachers get sick, it's not going to take much um, for us to have to close as a result of those absences. I think another thing that oftentimes people who are not in the, the education world might not think about is it's not just teachers; it's secretaries who are who have, you know, significant support roles in our buildings. It's nurses. When those people start getting sick, the organization really struggles to stay afloat. It's bus drivers. Um, prior to to the pandemic, I believe most school districts, and certainly the two that are on with us, can speak to this as well. But I believe most districts in Indiana um, are struggling to have substitutes in general for bus drivers, for nurses, for teachers, et cetera. And that's just where we find ourselves anyway on a normal day to add COVID to that or a pandemic situation to that where we don't have substitutes anyway to come in and and support some of the things that are going on. It really does sort of um, slow us down. And again, our, What has worked for us or has helped us um, to be able to sort of overcome that is, as I said, on the front end of this, is giving people permission to do jobs that maybe they wouldn't typically do.
2: Today on Noon Edition, we are talking with our guests about how schools continue to adapt to COVID-19. You can send in your questions by email to news at org or you can tweet us at Noon Edition. We're not taking phone calls because we are doing the show Remotely today, um, I for Dr. Arthur in Martinsville, we got a question just about the way that your school has structured its going going back to school um, because you started with e learning, then moved to four days a week in person for all students. Can you just explain how that has been working and how you all landed on that as the best option?
5: So we originally back in, I would say, mid-May, decided that we were going to going to go to a stoplight system, red, yellow, green. And we had full intentions of starting our school year on August 12th um, under green, which would mean that students were back and in their full capacity with a great deal of uh, protections in place and, and our plan, you know, all the extras that are COVID-related being in place. Um, what, what happened was about a week before school began, um, we had what i would argue is in essence a little bit of an outbreak um in our community and so a number of our staff ended up um either being exposed to or or were had somebody in their home who was positive um it put us in a really tough position to open school and i had one particular building in my district in which i would not have been able to open on the 12th and so we because of that we decided that we People were not quite understanding the importance of social distancing and mask wearing and all the things that we needed to be certain we were doing um, to open school. So we delayed our start by two weeks and we shifted to from green to red um, about a week before school started. That two weeks gave us the opportunity to bring staff in and really get them, get them up to speed on all of the medical um, facts and, and support behind all the things that we need to be doing, um, as well as to educate our community through radio, uh, news, those kinds of things, through all of our social media outlets to help everyone understand as a community that if we're going to do this, we have to do it together and we need community partnership. And so that two weeks gave us that opportunity to do that. And so we did start um, in an e-learning mode for those two weeks. And that was a last minute decision. Um, Once we got over that hump, we did go um, to yellow and we started on uh, sort of an alternating pattern where we brought in uh, 50% of our students at a time, 50% of the kids were here Monday, Tuesday, we were on e-learning on Wednesday and the other 50% were here Thursday and Friday. And so that gave us an additional, I believe, two and a half weeks of bringing in smaller groups of kids to make sure that we knew what we were doing, we were doing it well, our staff were prepared and that we were not um, inadvertently uh, exposing people to things that we didn't want to expose them to. Um, I've felt very strongly since the beginning that um, I don't want to make our school district an experiment. We don't have any reason to be the first ones in the state to have our kids back first. That was not any part of our plan, but we did have a, a great deal of uh, concern about kids being home any more longer than they, than they would need to be at home. So um, our plan was a, a little bit of a slower roll um, into getting back to school than what we anticipated, but we believe it's why we're being so successful at this time.
2: So there are so many different metrics to look at when trying to get a full picture of how bad the virus is at any given time. You know, today, the state reported more than 1800 new positive cases. So it broke a record for the most cases in a single day. But I, I guess my question for all of you is if you can really explain the calculus you're using in determining what phase you're in, if it's the red light, green light, or if it's bringing all kids back in person. Um, Dr. Mobley, can we start with you? I know MCCSC has this metric committee that's making these decisions.
3: Sure, sure. Um, first I'm gonna start off by saying there there's not an exact science to it. Um, at, as you mentioned, we developed a metric committee of about 30 people um, that met over the course of several weeks to determine what metrics we would be looking at. Um, that committee consisted of people from the monroe county health department doctors parents teachers people from iu um, and we've been in a lot of communication direct line of communication with the indiana state department of health with dr box with dr weaver with pam Pantones, who's the epidemiologist lori ramsey who's the nurse liaison we have communicated with them on on a regular basis sometimes multiple times a day and with our local health department with um, Graham McKean from IU trying to sort out the IU data and the impact of that. And then we developed a subcommittee that looks at the data on a regular basis, daily that is, um, that somebody's looking at the data on a daily basis as it comes out. And then we have doctors, uh, Dr. Laughlin, Dr. Moore, Paul Farmer, uh, representative um, Petty Caudell from the local health department, myself, Graham McKean from IU and Dr. Winston on occasion the president of our school board uh, Kathy Flint's Rower has joined us and Dr. Weaver um, joins us via Zoom uh, a, a, on a couple of occasions. i uh, not sure that she'll have the time to do that every time we meet but um, I, I can't say how much I, I want to thank her and the State Department of Health and the Roe County Health Department for the constant communication that we've been in, in regarding this. And as you might be aware, we also hosted a panel a few weeks ago of local health experts with Dr. Laughlin, Dr. Moore, and Penny Cadilla from the health department, and Dr. Weaver and Dr. Hirschmollis. And so we um, sponsored that panel so that our community could hear from the medical experts. There's there's so many rumors out there circulating in the news, and it's just it's 24-7. And I know people get confused, so we wanted to bring the experts in so they could hear directly from them.
2: And and Dr. Hammack, how about you and Brown County?
4: So very much like the Monroe County experience wow. over here in Brown County, uh, we have a return to school task force that met and um, planned throughout the summer. And then we now have what we are affectionately calling the return to school task force 2.0 <laughs> that is working on um, uh now day-to-day operational deployment. And so that task force uh, led in, um, in extraordinary uh, leadership by our corporation nurse, Holly Gordon. Uh, we do a daily symptom tracking of symptoms in our buildings, and those symptoms, ultimately the percentages inform, much like in Martinsville, that uh, stoplight approach to our our return to school plan so we also have a green yellow red deployment and if we have two consecutive days of a building at a symptom percentage rate of 10 percent then we would move and transition into the yellow phase of our plan so thankfully we have been able to remain on green since the start of the school year but um, the communication piece has just been uh, so uh, critical to the success of this deployment. And we are deeply grateful to our families for being very transparent about what symptoms students are presenting with so that we can ensure that our data is is accurate and ultimately then we can deploy uh, quarantine Uh, timelines that are informed by our state agencies. I echo Monroe County. I I cannot thank the state enough uh, for all of their support throughout these last months. Um, They have been uh, extraordinarily uh, there, right? Just so present. And um, if we have questions, they, they respond. And then for deployment at the local level, our Brown County health department, which is very small, has just been our partner uh, throughout this process. And and quite frankly, we don't know what we would do without them. Um, Just incredible people who, you know, we try to figure this out from a day-to-day basis sometimes, but using all of these data sources has really allowed for us to feel like we are making the most informed decisions for tomorrow, right? Based on what we know today. And, um, I think that, that that collective community spirit has been something that uh, you know we look for some silver linings with this deployment and that has certainly been our experience here in Brown County. Paul I
2: want to get your perspective just on um, if you think that in Monroe County you know they've been looking at the right data and how you think um, it's been received and, and is it do you are you are you comfortable with how the district is moving forward? Well,
6: one of the things that um you know the association we're very appreciative um the involvement that we've been given from the administration. Um, it's been a very collaborative effort. Um, uh, many of the meetings, as Dr. Modley said earlier, I've been involved with all of the meetings since last march um all all through the summer, everything in the development um, so we've had a voice in that um, and so is everything perfect? Of course not. Um, it, none of us has gone have gone through this before. You know, we even talked in our last metric meeting that we just had this week um, about, okay, the metric we are using right now, could there be better ones that we want as we go forward? Um, that's more specific maybe to just our school corporation, not necessarily the count, the, the county. So um, I think that's about any type of a program you have, especially, like we said, we've, none of us have done this before, that uh, you evaluate what you have and you say, is there a better way? Is there a more accurate rate? So I, I think at this point, I mean, uh, I'm, are we satisfied? I mean, you're never satisfied. You want to get more information, um, but am I confident that what we're doing in our schools are safe? The answer is yes. Um, you know, Dr. Mobley talked about this earlier. Um, you know, every one of our cases that we've had in our school corporation, whether it's student or teachers is irrelevant um, through a very, very high degree of certainty. Um, all of our cases occur outside the walls of our buildings. Um, it's, you know, the, the pizza party that the students are having on Friday night, it's, uh, grandma, grandpa, or aunt, uncle, whatever, coming over to the house and, and, and spreading it that way. But, but in our classrooms, excuse me, in our classrooms, we are not getting horizontal and vertical transmittance um that's our, our contact tracing is saying that nope it's not occurring in our buildings so i think we are doing things right um, but we could always improve on our metrics
7: this is joe chiming in from the newsroom again we have a question from twitter how is mccsc helping accommodate teachers who are medically vulnerable or or have other health conditions limiting their abilities to be in school buildings right now? Maybe Dr. Mobley, if you'd like to start and then love to hear from Brown County and Martinsville too.
3: Sure, we're working with those individuals um, on a a case-by-case basis and we're communicating with them. We're um, talking with their doctors um, and trying to provide the the PPE that's needed or if there's additional PPE that's needed. um, If there's things we need to do to modify a classroom, if they need gloves, if they need uh, gowns or uh, face shields in addition to the face mask. We're we're working with teachers to provide all kinds of uh, PPE that might be needed. Uh, There are some teachers who may be working in a different location because of a health need. Uh, So we take those each on an individual basis and work with the employee and work with their medical provider.
7: Dr. Hammock, would you like to chime in?
4: But yes, very much like Monroe County, we are deploying our interactive process and that all began this summer when we issued a survey to all of our certified and non-certified staff members. And in that survey, we were trying to get a better understanding for uh, comfort and ways in which we could accommodate and and what needs our certified and non-certified staff members were presenting with. And so we were able to have um, uh, individual meetings with the school uh, principal and 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 me to be able to better understand needs and then ultimately be able to deploy uh, those accommodations, or if it required a full modification to a, a work experience, then I'm, I'm happy to report that we were able to meet all of those needs. And um, I think that that really helped with positioning ourselves for the, the beginning of the school year, not to say that that meant that all of our educators were feeling 100% comfortable on the first day of school. and and that that was not the case but I do believe that in order to get to that point once we were uh, able to deploy some accommodations or full modifications to the workday that that once those needs were met that that was a better first day experience
7: what's the converse
5: yeah go ahead A very similar approach for the MSC of Martinsville. Um, One additional thing that I would add that in addition to things that have been shared that we took on pretty early here was um, reaching out to our Activate Clinic, which uh, that is a private wellness organization that we contract with through our insurance um, that we provide to our employees. And so we reached out pretty quickly, quickly to them to say, how can we partner to ensure that When we have issues that might come up this year when when teachers are back, staff are back, kids are back, how can we partner to work through these issues and and best take care of our staff, but also make sure that um, we're doing things safely, we're bringing back people safely, but we're also bringing back people as efficiently as possible. Um, So there's a balance there. And so initially, um, because the Activate Clinic would only on a normal day would only be supporting people who are in our insurance plan Um, because of our partnership with them they were willing to open things up to every employee that we have so all 700 employees have access to that clinic as it relates to any kind of covid condition and that also gives us the ability to work very closely with the physicians and nurses that are nurse practitioners that are attached to the activate clinic um, to have that back and forth communication again about when can we expect for that employee to possibly be back um, what accommodations might they need when they return, or for those people on the front end who were fearful of coming back? It was a really nice um, liaison for us to say, "Why don't you speak to the folks at activate and, and get their opinion about um, how you might, uh, you know, how you might be accommodated when you are back at school?" So that partnership again, community partnership has been very important for us. Um, we're a community that just doesn't have the, you know, the healthcare support. in in terms of size um, that perhaps Indianapolis or suburbs do or or even Monroe County. So we really are leaning pretty heavily on them, and we really appreciate their support. Um, An additional piece was uh, we also contracted through um, Riley Hospital um, primarily for our students. But we've also leaned on Riley for uh, medical support and advice when we also need to make those tough accommodation um, decisions, modification decisions for our staff as well.
2: Jane, can you talk about just some of the concerns and struggles that students are facing right now during the pandemic and with the uncertainty of school as well?
5: Yeah, I would love to. Um, our kids, um, you know, probably think I'm the most passionate about probably during this conversation. Our, our kids are um, doing really, really well, probably better than most people would expect them to do, given the number of months that they were at home and the lack of access to things. Um you know, as, as with Brown County, we're very rural, um, many of our families do not have internet. So being at home for months on end and not being able to access the world, um, you know, is problematic for a lot of families. And so um, what's difficult now is that now that we're back at school, is just the fact that we still have a lot of restrictions in place. And so, um, you know, Kids are not coming and going as freely as they did before. Um, athletic events, you know, we've had to make some adjustments to athletics and, and how kids use locker rooms and what. Just those experiences are very different than what they were a year ago. Um, we're trying to make them the best that they can, but I do know that those are frustrations our students have, and so we know that we're having to put or need to put a great deal of effort into ensuring and assuring them that um, you know this is this is a short term thing. We hope and we'll move forward, and this will be a thing of the past soon. But in the interim, we need to do what we can to be the safest um, and and get get over this hump of, of everyone uh, potentially acquiring this virus and, and get to the point where um, we can return
2: to some normalcy. And what about in Brown County?
4: Yeah, I, I love what uh, Jay said there. The 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 students really have been um, the. They, I'll tell you, when, when we were in our planning process, you know, and, and then when ultimately we were able to be in school, one of the things that I was just very frustrated with myself in our planning process was that we didn't give the students enough credit in our planning. Um, the students have risen to this occasion from being so good and responsible about mask wearing to being quite resilient when traditional experiences have had to be modified because of the virus. We, uh, all of our principals would share that we had the best start to our to a school year that we've ever had uh, in the years that we've been school and district leaders. I, I think the students were just so deeply grateful to have the opportunity to return to school that uh, any of the changes in their school day were experiences that they were willing to accept as uh, just something that that we're in now, but that we won't necessarily need to experience in, into the future. They have been incredible voices as well. Uh, They will share if there is an experience where where they might not feel totally safe or if they feel like there are ways in which we can improve our processes. And then they'll also uh, share back, uh, you know, applauses, so ways in which they appreciate how teachers and staff have constructed their day. And that's truly, that's that's from our kindergartners all the way up through our seniors. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch the students uh, be so resilient in this process. And quite frankly, um, you know, they have been uh, just the the best part of, of this in, in, entire experience and and we're just so proud of them
2: and at MCCSE do you want to talk about that Paul um just how the students are doing what are their concerns their stressors
6: yeah I, I'll echo everything that's been said already our, our students have been awesome um We do, we are finding, I mean, in the Monroe County, we've got uh, approximately 30% of our students are online. Um, And of course it varies by buildings. I mean, some buildings have more, some have less than that. Um, But the the average is about 30%. Um, You know, no matter what teacher or probably what student, it's irrelevant. Um, I think everybody would want to be back I'm going to use the term "normal." I don't like using that word right now, but but back to normal, face to face in the classroom with everybody there. You know, as far as teachers, that's where you work your craft. Um, that's where you get to do one on one with a kid and and get to know them and and you know be a part of their life. One of the things that is struggling right now for I think some of our students as well as our teachers um, is the online part. Um, If you do have a student who maybe is not performing to the best of their abilities, um, who knows what? There are so many multitude of reasons um, why they may not be. Um, That connection piece is difficult. Um, You know, we have our social workers, we have our counselors, we have our um, uh, assistant principals and principals and teachers and everybody, you know, making their contacts. That's a struggle right now is being able to what you used to be able to do in the classroom of of sitting down with them face to face and having a heart to heart conversation is very different than having it online and so I know that's a struggle that we're working with um and uh you know we're gonna get better and get better at it and and bring uh, those students along so that's a difficulty I think that that probably I would imagine everyone around the the state and country is is experiencing as well so
2: and, and Dr. Mobley, do you want to add anything to
3: that? I think what I, I think what, they've all made very good points and I would agree with what they've all said. I, I would just like to add that I think we have learned some things throughout this process. And for instance, we've learned a lot about technology. We've learned a lot about who has ac- access to technology and who doesn't. And um, our teachers and our students are getting better at using technology. And so I think that that's one of the things that's really positive that's, that's come out of this. And also that um, there, there are some things that we're, we're doing that uh, we may continue to do in some ways. I'm hearing from principals, for instance, the way they're doing recess now a little bit differently. They might continue doing that in the future. So, you know, we all know that in-person learning is what's best for our students. Um, but I think we've all been very re- resilient um, and resourceful and trying to get through these challenging times. But said our students are are doing a great job we don't want to let our guard down I've been talking with principal with other staff members about the importance of you know maintaining vigilance and as as we've been in school for a few weeks we don't want to let our guard down We, we know we still have to social distance and wear masks and and wash hands frequently and do all of those things
2: I have a I have a fourth grader who is doing the online option, and I, I do feel very fortunate that he is he is able to do that. But something I personally worry about is just if there's going to be an achievement gap between in person and online. And um, Dr. Mobley, how are you making sure that that there's not that they're going to be both learning at the same level?
3: Well, we we know the online learning in the spring was not ideal. We all had to. Um, basically turn on a dime and um, try to make the best of that situation. So definitely right now, our standards are much higher uh, for the online learning than what they were in the spring. We wanna guarantee that no, no matter what the student's experience is, whether it's online or in person, we wanna try to make it the best learning experience as possible and so we, we definitely have higher standards for what that looks like now than what we did in the spring.
2: And we got another question about how attendance has changed with so many students doing online learning at MCCSE can you take that one too Dr. Mobley
3: um I get. I'm not sure that I understand what the question is
2: how um, attendance has changed so I'm assuming um I guess how our kids counted present or absent
3: Oh, yes, we've, we've had to modify that a little bit because the state came down with some new codes in terms of counting attendance and um, we also know that with students in the hybrid situation, we are giving them more time to get the assignment done in, in case they can't log on at the time the class is being taught with synchronous learning if we have options. if their schedule doesn't allow that, or if, you know, the family doesn't have the means to do the online during the day, they were giving them longer to get an assignment done to be counted as present for that class. So we've made some adjustments that way. Um, And I'll, I'll have to admit, I've heard from teachers that it's very challenging to follow up with that on when students are in hybrid, because they are having to go back the next day or two to see if they did the assignment to um, mark that they were present. So hopefully as we transition out of the the hybrid and to in person uh, that extra challenge will be alleviated from teachers.
6: I'll add something really quick with that too. you know, it's one of those things, uh, as Dr. Molly just said, that, um, you know, the state handed down certain rules uh, for new record, recording issues and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, <laughs> I have to chuckle. I mean, it, I mean, it just is. Um, you know, it's a lot of things that come down from the state, uh, they think that it's going to be easy or that it's going to, to simplify things. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> and so it is a harder thing for our teachers, as Dr. Molly said, that, that, that recording of attendance, you know, sometimes you have to go back a day or two days back because the kids are participating in that and, um, uh, you know, to be able to record those. So it does become difficult. Uh, we understand why we need to do it, um, for accountability purposes and attendance and so on, but it is hard to do for a lot of the teachers to do that. Uh, like Dr. Mobley said, I think going full board, um, with each other, I think that will, Uh, be very beneficial that they don't have to go back as much.
7: I wanted to chime in here, Dr. Hammack, maybe if you can talk a little bit about standardized testing and how that will be planned and worked on coming up here.
4: So you bring up a, a, a sincere challenge and something that has been on our minds since the beginning of the school year. The ability to deploy standardized assessments in an online format uh, really are um, there are protocols that are currently even being developed yet right that we are are waiting uh, in order to make sure that we then ultimately will deploy uh, assessments correctly and um, uh, in a way that would ensure that that those assessments are valid and reliable. We have been spending uh, having lots and lots of conversations and then ultimately deploying um, assessments currently to be able to analyze where our students are performing now so much more of a formative deployment of assessments where we're spending a lot of time at the beginning of the school year to better understand that gap that happened in, in March, April, and May of the school year and how we have students that are presenting with, with pretty significant gaps uh, if they were not able to engage in remote learning uh, when we ultimately deployed in, in the spring. So all of this is, is massively important and we are are struggling with making sure that our remote learners are able to access these assessment opportunities, just like our students who are reporting to school in person. Uh, so like everything with this, we have um, innovation is is, is, is quite important uh, to the conversation. So we have certainly not given up, but this is, this is a problem. And as we look at how, uh, accountability measures are ultimately uh, impacting school districts this year Um, when we're still struggling with format. That's that's a real concern for us and I would imagine uh, for the other school districts that are also on the call.
7: Yeah, how about in Martinsville?
5: Um again I would echo the same things that Dr Hammock did. Um you know we I, I would probably go a little bit more out on a limb in terms of questioning the validity of, of uh, state assessment after a COVID cycle. Um, I'm not certain that the investment in those dollars into that test makes a lot of sense. We too agree that formative assessment is really what's going to give us the information or does give us the information that we need from week to week, month to month for our kids as they sit in their chairs um, and are learning in the moment. Um, you know on a normal year that assessment data data is a snapshot it's in my opinion not always that useful um, to the day-to-day work that we do and what we ask of our teachers and, and i know that a, a large number of educators feel that same way it is what it is it's part of the statute um but i do i would call upon our, our elected leaders to think very deeply about um, this being a year in which we again um, do something alternatively rather than use state dollars to pay for an assessment that's really probably not going to give us a good measure or or a useful measure, I guess I should say, uh, of how students are doing. Um, I do think we need to lean on a for our local formative assessment um, and go from there in terms of the instruction that we're providing. I have a Doctor-
2: question for Dr. Mobley. Apologize, Joe. Um, the The question is, when will how will MCC decide if it's necessary to move back to yellow or even red? And do you see the upcoming holidays as a potential issue?
3: Well, our metrics subcommittee will meet to look at the data as we've been doing in the past, and we'll rely on our doctors. We'll rely on the health department and the state health department to help us if if we need assistance in that. And I, I know they'll be there for us. And and yes, we do think about the upcoming fall break and um, think about the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And you know we want to we want to make sure that our our students and our staff and our, our families are are you know thinking about what they do outside of school um, that could have an impact on our ability to remain in school.
2: And is MCCSC considering a schedule like IU's? The question is, it normally mirrors IU's pretty closely.
3: Well, I, I, I understand that IU is going to um, all students remote learning at Thanksgiving and then coming back uh, sometime in, in February. Uh, we we are not considering that at this point as, as um, um, just to do it at this point but if we if it's necessary and if the data calls for us to do that and if the experts tell us that that that's what we need to do then of, of course we're, we're we would do that but we'll rely on the data and we'll rely on the experts
2: okay and we just have a couple minutes left of our yeah. program here. But I want to give each of you just um, a few a few minutes here at the end to just talk about what you hope for the next coming weeks for your school districts, for teachers, staff, and for students. Uh, Dr. Hammack, do you want to start?
4: Sure, I'm 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 happy to start. I I think it was mentioned a little bit earlier that um you know we're we're entering this phase of uh, flu season and returning from breaks and uh, opportunities where. Uh, travel uh, might be more present than than normal, and I think that that's something that is sincerely on our minds. So again, it's all just part of our process. Though the the way in which we are taking each day's data and making informed decisions for what we need to do tomorrow will continue to be deployed. And um, though we have those things on our minds, we will we will work our process, and then if we need to change our plan, we'll, we'll do that. But for now, we you know we've got a good couple of months under our belts, and and we have we have gotten some things wrong <laughs> for sure, uh, but we have fixed those things and and then tried to do better. But we've we've also gotten some things right, right? So uh, our okay, plan- and- oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, um, Doctor Arthur,
2: if we can go to you, and then Doctor Mobley, we have about yes, so-
5: so I think one of the most amazing things right now, and somebody touched on this earlier, is just the fact that we have an opportunity to weed the garden. And so I've encouraged, as, as things have slowed down a little bit in terms of all the chaos of getting school started, now that we are started, we've been able to have some conversations internally um, about how do we weed the garden and, and the things that we've put on hold. Do we really want to bring all of these things back exactly the way that they were? So it's really a, an opportunity for us to become... Extremely innovative, in my opinion, Um, and I know that a number of things will come back. They're tradition; they're based in tradition, and and they're good things to do. But again, it's also an opportunity. It's a great opportunity for us to take a look at our structures and and how we support kids in our community, and make some tough decisions. Do we really want to do things exactly the way that we did, or do we make some changes now that will take us into future decades?
3: Okay. And the last word, Dr. Mobley. Yes, we're looking forward to what, in many ways, will be the first day of. of in-person school for many of our students and we're, we're looking forward to that and we while we won't we know it won't be normal um we we want it to be as normal as it possibly can be through our for our students and our staff under these circumstances.
2: Okay, and Monroe County starting in the green phase on Monday. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. That is all the time we have for today's WFIU's Noon Edition. For co host Joe Wren, producers Ben DeBoutier and John Bailey, engineer Matt Stonecipher and Mike Pass Cash, I'm Sarah Whitmire. This has been Noon Edition.
0: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program is available at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Production support comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.